0: We need a rebel
1: Sorry about that i muted myself on opening is that how the show's going to go today i don't think so and you know what who cares what's a little uh bobble now and then this is an informed life radio on 11 50 a.m kknw and chd tv and i am your host bernadette pager so glad to be here especially glad that we made it today because we have a big old thunderstorm moving through earlier, and I was afraid it might be uh, taking us out of commission here, but no, we got some blue skies and green grass, and it's looking good. So uh, here we are. We've got quite the show for you today. Um, let me just get out of the way that the views expressed here don't necessarily represent the views of our wonderful radio station, KKNW or CHD TV, but I want to say at the get go how very grateful I am and informed choice. Washington is, you know, who is the main primary sponsor of this show. That KKNW and CHD exist because both of these platforms, uh, since we joined them all through COVID, we have been given nothing but respect—respect uh, respect for freedom of speech, respect for what we're doing, uh, no interference—and uh, it's been it's been fantastic. So I'm grateful. Um, And we need more of the same. We need more of this. I'm going to bring on uh, my co-host here, Javier Figueroa. There he is, Dr. X. Hello. Good to see you. So good to see you. And how are things in Idaho? Uh,
2: Beautiful, sunny and cloudy. So nice. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, nice mix, and uh, I think a little later in the show, maybe we're going to talk about what's going on in our uh, legislatures in Washington, Tennessee, Idaho, and and then maybe where our guest is. And I always forget, so let's just go ahead and bring my, Dr. Michael uh, Gaeta on, so he can remind me, sir, where you are. What state are you Thanks, in? Ber-
3: Thank you, Bernadette. Colorado. Great to be with you and Javier. Uh, wonderful to be back with you again.
1: Yeah, Thanks, so glad. Uh, but- I'm
3: in uh, Boulder, Colorado.
1: Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, so interesting state, a little bit like Washington. Gorgeous state, but some mixed-up politics if you don't mind me saying For so. For sure. Yeah,
3: yeah. No. They're, they're they're trying to unfortunately they're trying to emulate uh California. Oof. Yeah. Not, not ideal.
1: No, it it is not. So, some of our our listeners and viewers will remember uh, Dr. Gaeta. He is a fantastic um, I don't, I don't want to use the word alternative practitioner because I think it's real medicine, um, <laughs> yeah. and functional medicine doctor, you know, why don't you go ahead and give the list of, of what you cover? You, you do it better.
3: Uh, thanks for that. Yeah. I've been practicing Chinese and functional medicine, uh, in a family practice for 33 years and, uh, and use uh, a variety. So, you know, licensure wise, I'm a dietitian, nutritionist and acupuncturist, uh, and I'm also an herbalist. So I, I. You know see patients still part-time and uh mm-hmm. full-time i'm training other health professionals for how to improve their patient care uh with natural functional medicine
1: i i love that i love that and you know we're in the midst of the strangest war in Indeed. the in, ever it's a war of words it's a war of censorship it's a, a war of ideas Well, um,
3: I, I gotta stop you there thank you for calling it a war uh, because oh, yeah. I think some folks don't realize what it is and the extent and magnitude of it and the seriousness of it. And, you know, war is a serious word and uh, I appreciate your, you know, calling it out. Well,
1: you know, I think we really have to, I think people need to really understand where we are and we've been seeing, it's been a slow creep here. I mean, the, why COVID happened and unfolded the way it did was because the infrastructure had been building for decades, the infrastructure of, Um, people just being compliant and do what they're told the infrastructure of no checks and balances in public health whatsoever. CDC says, boo, everybody jumps. And Mm -hmm. if you dare speak up, you know, you get Um, court-martialed and then there's been this capture of all things medicine by the, the drug industry. You know, you go right now and look on Wikipedia, you look up naturopath on Wikipedia. It says it's a pseudoscience filled with like crazy fake things. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just because they're not, it's not just in the show. We of course talk a lot about vaccines. I'm, you know, people probably sick of hearing about that, but it's not just your approach to vaccine targeted infections that's under attack. It's all health, health modalities. How, how long ago, Dr. Um, Michael, was it that, it became illegal to treat somebody for cancer outside of Western medicine. You could not claim to be treating somebody for cancer. Yeah. It became illegal.
3: Right, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question. It's a complex question because it's, a sco- it's partly a scope of practice question, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically a turf question. Um, and, and, in, and the basic idea is that in the practice of medicine, Right, that's a defined term, uh, where you have to be a physician, uh, so MDDO to practice medicine, um is is an unrestricted scope of practice. In other words, uh medical doctors and osteopaths can do anything for anything, basically. There's you know, the exception makes the rule, but that's the rule. And every other profession has what are called carve-outs, where we have some piece of that that we are allowed to do legally in our scope of practice. And so I'm, I have three licenses in massage therapy, dietetics, nutrition, and acupuncture, which collectively allow me to do certain things. uh, But it's certainly not an unlimited scope of practice. And so the, the, the idea of treating disease, diagnosing and treating disease uh, is, you know, is very specific. And so it's not limited to cancer. Um, but it is limited really to one's legal scope of practice as to what you can do with your license in that state. Uh, and so it's, it's quite variable based on the license and the state as to what carve out you get. Um, but typically, you know, there's, there's more professions that are licensed to diagnose, like chiropractors, for example, can diagnose a patient. But when it comes to treating a patient, that's where it gets much more restricted. So uh, so that's why, you know, I work with a lot of cancer patients and I have over my 33 years of practice um, and I teach other practitioners how to support cancer patients and increase their cancer resistance. But I don't treat cancer. Uh, I treat a patient who has cancer and then I- encourage their own healing resources, healing ability to deal with that cancer, which is different than treating cancer, which is limited to the practice of medicine and specifically oncology. So that's just how it is, you know, in the US. Um, and, you know, there's some truth to that. I mean, the, the, the idea of treating the patient, not the disease is, you know, kind of a, a, one of the cornerstones, I would say of holistic healthcare, you know, that, or it's a patient centered approach where we're we're treating the patients who encourage their self healing and self repair rather than I treat your disease. Um, yes yeah. so that's the you know that's a little bit of the of the kind of the picture.
1: That that's very helpful. Um, and then there there's two particular things that I see here. One is yes. if you are an MD. Yes. Um, you are though limited yourself with what um, is being called the standard of care.
3: Oh yeah, that's a whole. Yeah. That's why I said it's uh, complex. You we could do, do
1: two what? hours on standard of care. Oh,
3: easily. <laughs> and, I, and you're yeah, you're at a, a much more nuanced level going there.
1: Yeah. Where
3: what is a what are doctors allowed to do? Yeah. And seeing this as you've you've reported on beautifully over years now of doctors not being allowed to practice medicine. Yeah. Uh, which means treating the patient in their own best professional judgment. They yeah. haven't been allowed to do that. You know, I think you and I have both had conversations with Paul Merrick and uh, mm-hmm. and, and his you know colleagues, Pierre Corey and such, who are literally you know banned by their mm-hmm. own profession or hospital from being doctors. And yeah. uh, and I've had patients who I reckon I'm not a physician, uh, but I said, you know, in this case, you know, if you want to have some ivermectin lying around, go get some, and they can't, uh, even with a prescription. Um, so at least that's how it, it was in certain states at certain times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that you're, you're, to, you're pointing to a whole other thing is like, what are doctors, how short of a leash are physicians on for yes. what, are they, what they're allowed to do um, in their profession? You know, I had a, a, a dear friend of mine who's a, a, a medical doctor uh, moved out of, you know, who fled, you know, as one to two thousand people per day do. Uh, fled California to a more sane state came to Colorado slightly better um, for the moment. And um, so that she could practice more freely. You know, she's a trained medical doctor and was severely restricted in what she could do uh, within California. So um, including, you know, not being able to prescribe hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin um, to her patients when she saw fit in her clinical judgment as a physician. Mm
1: -hmm. And you know, you bring up ivermectin, so I think it's a good time to segue to our main topic for this first sure, hour. Sure. Um, I'm going to share with you, see if I did it correctly. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. So um, Informed Choice Washington, up until two, three days ago, used to work with I, um, EIN Newswire. Um yes. To do our press releases. And we issued for Tennessee when the Tennessee law passed allowing ivermectin to be sold over the counter from a pharmacist after consultation. Yeah. So yes. that's a law. It's here. Come to Tennessee, buy ivermectin. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, but the press release is no longer available because we put out. I'm going to show you the other thing. Oh, let's see if I can do this. I'm not very quick at this. I'll show you what, what led to us no longer having that available, and that was okay. this. Um, somebody shared, luckily, and and put it all here and copied it because it's not available through a newswire anymore. Mm. Washington State had done an event. This great, um, this great group out there got together, and they had what they called a listening event. Uh, for people to come talk about and hear about harms from the response to COVID, uh, mm-hmm. John Stockton, the former you know NBA champion, um, was there, the keynote speaker. There was a um, a commissioner from the Board of Health who's very mm-hmm. aware to and very concerned about what's going on. And there was somebody there testing had this night this machine that's existed and been FDA approved since 1995. And he tested 30 people voluntarily to see and 53% of the, of the 30 people showed uh, signs of myocarditis, Mm. but they approved this post. And then 24 hours later, they canceled our contract said, we're sending you a refund. Uh, Goodbye. Yes. Um, Made all of our, our news wires unavailable. Um, And when I challenged them and I said, I don't understand why you approved it if it didn't meet your standards. And they said they don't have to explain anything.
3: Goodbye. Mm. So I'm
1: now shopping. If anybody knows of a really censorship free, um, you know, good. Newswire service, let us know, because I want to put out a big press release that says that EIN, the Newswire service censored us. (laughs) And then I want to write about ivermectin again. And then I want to write about all this other stuff. You're you're (laughs) not
2: you're not in bad company. The um, in Florida, the GOP executive committee for Luton County, not at Newland County, but uh, one of the counties in, in, in Florida passed a resolution to push forward a ban on the mRNA vaccines. And now they're getting four other counties to jump wow. on board to push a ban uh, statewide. So they're doing it County by County vote wow. by vote uh, to basically ban the MRNA injections in, in Florida mm. now.
1: Fantastic. And Idaho, yeah. you've got one there, right? Um, to it's, to make it illegal to inject. It's a
2: misdemeanor. You're going to get a fined. A misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, what's a misdemeanor? That they're trying to find uh, Idaho house bill 154. They're trying to pass it to make it, Uh, a misdemeanor to uh, inject anyone with MRNA technology. Wow. That's awesome.
1: Is it it just what they're calling vaccines or is it any technology, even for like cancer therapy or anything like that?
2: MRNA technology that is going to be used as a vaccine. And I'll, I have the, I'll have, I have the actual wording of the, of the bill, but basically they're trying to do a workaround because they know that they're, they're targeting um, livestock. So they're trying to make it as broad as possible yeah. to include livestock as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's just, there's just so much to fight against. So, you know, Dr. Michael, when, when we got that cancellation notice, I thought, you know what? I got to bring you on because I had <laughs> learned that yeah. you, how long was your school on Teachable as a platform?
3: Yeah, and just to let folks know, I I was uh, censored and deplatformed by my teaching platform, which is a very popular one with uh, 100,000 course creators like me, uh, called Teachable, which is a very popular, you know, full-featured platform. And I was with them for eight years, uh, Bernadette. And uh, ironically, just two months ago, I got an email from them congratulating me that I had passed a milestone since starting with them of selling a million dollars Worth of courses through their wow. platform. Again, that wasn't in a month or even a year. It was over, you know, the last uh, seven eight years. Um, but that's a milestone for them. They say congratulations, yay! You know, you get got some kind of recognition from them uh, for being a successful, you know, school. And uh, and a couple of years ago was featured in their um, uh, email. Their marketing, one of their marketing emails, hey, we'd like to feature you as a featured creator, they call them creators, course creators, Uh, because you've been so successful, we'd like to feature you and show people what, you know, what, and so they interviewed me and there was a, a, you know, they they put it out to their, you know, zillion people email list and featured us, our school as, uh, you know, here, you know, they did this, you can do this too kind of thing. And, uh, and then, you know, a couple of weeks ago now, less than two weeks ago, we got an email from them saying, your school has been taken down. Um, and uh, we've basically deleted, you know, your school. And uh, it, there's, uh, you know,
1: I, I'm I'm just I'm just boggled. But you know, I'm wondering, like with informed choice, Washington. I'll go ahead and stop sharing here. Um, with informed choice, Washington, I I think we might have been under the radar with a number of shares and who was paying attention, You know, because the yeah. world is flooded with newswire. Yes, information, and That's we right. probably didn't have enough views and shares mm. to trigger alarm bells to the point yep. of censorship. Yeah. But when yep. that la- latest one went out about the myocarditis rates mm. um, at this one event, I it, yeah. it was shared quickly. It was quickly yeah. getting up to like twenty thousand shares, and so wow. I, I well within different platforms were sharing yes. it, yes. Um, yeah. and then somebody reposted it, and mm. and it got shared. And I've heard some pretty big names are. Um, have been looking at it and talking about it. Yeah. So that might have been what happened when they spotlighted your business. Somebody said, "Well, that's one of the big people undermining our pharmaceutical profits. You need to shut yeah. them down."
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. And I can read you, you know, what they wrote, and it's in the slide deck if you want to put it up.
1: Oh um, yes. Or I let's can read it. That. Whatever you
3: like, you know, whatever. Let
1: you like. Let's do that. You just tell me. When you turn it.
3: Yeah. Keep going. Uh, oh, this is from our Monday show. Uh, so you can just keep going. I'll let you know. Uh, oh, there it is. So there's the, there's the, the, yeah, there it is right there. So after diligent investigation by our team, the content of your school has been found to be in violation of teachables content guidelines, including, but not limited to our definition, our definition important. The, the word R is important here of disinformation. Now disinformation is intentional uh, intent to mislead. Like we know um, that w- uh, we know what we're saying isn't true and we're going to share it anyway. Right? So that's disinformation, intentional deception. Misinformation is accidental um, sharing of something that isn't correct. Typically like, oh, I didn't know that at the time. And uh, you know, so we shared something that turned out not to be true, not with an intent to mislead, but just cuz we didn't know at the time that it wasn't true. So that's misinformation. It's much more benign. Disinformation is there's a there's a, an element of intent. And that's what they accused us of. And they and then their disinformation section content that is verifiably false. So mm-hmm. of course the question is by who and shared <laughs> with the intention. So they 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 read our minds. You know we have 20 yeah we have 20 faculty in the school who are physicians, health professionals, research scientists, PhDs, medical researchers. I mean, we're very picky about who gets to teach a course in our school because we want very credible people. Uh, and we only do three things. We, we share clinical experience because most of our teachers are practicing clinicians themselves, or we're sharing published research, Here's a, here's a journal article that came out in you know, autoimmunity reviews, and here's what it said. Or we're sharing an opinion. You know, As a scientist or clinician or physician, this is my opinion. And that's all we're doing. So they somehow read all of our minds and, and found intention. They somehow attribute that we intended. Like, how did they know that? How do they know what our intention was to mislead, manipulate, or deceive? So, you know, this is how, you know, this is just blatant censorship. Like they somehow knew our intent. I mean, come on. And so then it, it continues. It gets better content pertaining to medical disinformation, such as disproven by by who claims around vaccines in general and COVID vaccines in particular are on the platform similarly Dissemination of conspiracy theories such as population control is prohibited on the platform. So as we know from, as you've you've said repeatedly, you know, both of you, Javier and, and Bernadette, that the difference between a conspiracy theory and verified fact is about six months. Right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a year, right? So, yeah. you know, I got flagged. Um, uh, uh, and I think, and this is part of why I got deleted from LinkedIn, another censored platform, uh, partly because I criticized Tony Fauci. But also because uh, I I shared an article by it was just literally the opinion of a research scientist and virologist Mm -hmm. that this SARS-CoV-2 looks like it was created in a lab. And I just shared a post by a virologist, a research scientist, not a clinician, but a scientist uh, that said, you know, this and we are not going to get into specifics of it, but there are features of the virus. That really could only be manufactured in a lab, you know, the fueling cleavage sites, and it gets complicated. But um, and, and I just I shared that, and I criticized Tony Fauci, who has you know done more damage than any other human being in the history of the United States to the world population, and uh, they didn't like that. And so I'm still to this day uh, off of LinkedIn. So uh, so they so the, now today that was a, a year ago or so and um now it's accepted fact that this virus came from the wuhan lab so mm-hmm. you know, this whole conspiracy theories thing is you know again it's just more censorship and then they they mentioned a couple of our courses that they didn't like so mm-hmm. i want to i want to really emphasize something here and i just had lunch with a friend she's like how can they sleep at night i just, like i just got back from lunch where she's you know I, you know, an old buddy is, you know, and she's like, how can they sleep? And I said, No, they sleep great, because they think I'm very clear about this, they believe they are protecting the public from me. I, I am a menace to society, right. and therefore they are doing the righteous thing and protecting society from me. In other words, they do not want people to hear differing viewpoints than the official CDC WHO viewpoint, government viewpoint, and they do not want people to think for themselves and come to their own conclusions, right? The, the essence <laughs> of censorship is you're not allowed to think for yourself. We're going to decide exactly. what content you're exposed to. Right. And this How, act, yeah.
1: Yeah, but Michael, a caveat with you in particular in this situation. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen an example quite so blatant that something, some outside force intervened because they were using you, upholding you as an example until they cut you off. Somebody intervened. They didn't think of you as a menace before. Yeah. Yeah. Surely, when they saw your sales, surely when they decided to feature you, they went yeah. and looked at what you were doing and were very happy for it. So Maybe have you right dug there. into, I was just poking around and I haven't yes. found yet. I want to know who owns Teachable, who's invested in Teachable. Oh, yeah. It, who's it got bought. With, hmm? It, it got was bought a
3: few years ago by a Brazilian firm, which is an um, online content publisher. Oh dear. And this is like a marquee brand in that larger company that okay. bought them. So they're based in Manhattan. And uh they, you know, they were kind of, you know, this small startup in Brooklyn. Yeah. And then they got bought by this much larger company, Global Company, out of Brazil. And then now that they have their headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. To my, if, if I remember correctly, so I, I forgot the name of the company, honestly, but it's they they were they were purchased or acquired a few years back,
1: and that's exactly one of the biggest dangers that we have now are is conglomerates owned media teaching yeah. platforms newspapers sure. even here in my little old town. Um, In East Tennessee, it's some big conglomerate that owns this little historical Mm -hmm. newspaper. So they kind of have their own brand identity, but only like on the headline of the print edition and online, they control certain content. But a whole bunch of it has nothing to do with. um, Right. um, Yeah. So it's very concerning because you've he who controls the information you know, controls exactly. your freedom. I mean, well, and of
3: 1984, you know, the Ministry yeah. of Truth.
1: Oh, okay. Before we go on, okay. I'm glad you brought up the Ministry <laughs> of Truth. So,
3: and, and, I do, and I do want to show you one other company. or I want to show you that this company and one other company, a competitor of theirs, their yeah. websites, but it doesn't have okay. to be everyone.
1: Okay. So I, I, I subscribe to some things, what I call, you know, the dark side so I can, pay attention to what they're doing yeah um and looky what was published yesterday 50 leading national organizations unite to curb infodemic of health and science misinformation and disinformation good lord and okay okay is everybody listening here this this is huge this and and Javier, in, in Washington State, this is House Bill 1333 on steroids. This mm. is the Coalition for Trust in Health mm. and Science. So I'm going to read a little bit here. The Coalition for Trust in Health and Science today announced its formation and public launch during the 2023 American Association for the Advancement of Science annual meeting in Washington, D.C. The alliance was formed to unite leading organizations from across the entire health ecosystem well, not entire, they didn't invite you, Dr. Michael, um, to advance trust and factual science-based decision-making. The partnership aims to achieve a measurable increase in the public's willingness and ability to access, access evidence-based information necessary to make the best personally appropriate mm-hmm. health decisions for themselves, yep. their families, and the communities in which they live and work. Mm-hmm. Enhancing the perception and reality. Okay, wait, I got to start over. Enhancing <laughs> the perception and reality of the trustworthiness of the health and medical system is a key element of this goal. Yes. Okay, here's a quote. The United States is experiencing a tidal wave of misinformation and disinformation, which has real-world health impacts such as preventable misery and deaths, and is escalating already dangerously high levels of mistrust and distrust in healthcare, public mm-hmm. health, and science," said Reed Texan, MD, convener of the Coalition for Trust in Health and Science. Addressing this infodemic is fundamental to the values of the coalition members. And together we can and will make a positive impact on the health of individuals and the nation. Yes. Um, Yeah, I'm going to keep going, you guys. This is so important. I'll just keep reading. So the coalition is focused. On supporting Americans' health decisions. Oh, they're going to come help us decide by helping them navigate the increasing amount of information available from an increasing number of sources. This is a long term effort to address long standing challenges around trust and new challenges brought on by the proliferation of social media. The collective effort of the coalition is focused on correcting misinformation and countering disinformation that decrease trust in health, health care, public health, and science that has the potential to harm the public's trust. Have either of you two fine gentlemen yet heard a definition of misinformation or disinformation? No, neither yes. have I. Okay. Yes.
3: Um, so You, you have. I have. Well,
1: they haven't, they haven't told us what it is.
3: Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's and what I mean. Just, There's
1: no definition. It's just these vague terms. Okay, here we
3: go. Before you continue, what I will say—the most commonly cited one—is anything that differs from the CDC.
1: Oh, amen to that! You bet. In other words, like
3: that's the single source of truth. Yeah. Kind of like the former prime minister of New Zealand who resigned resigned a couple months ago. In tears. (laughs) Right? Who said, you know, the the government will tell you what's true? I'm paraphrasing. (laughs)
4: If yes. you want to know what's
3: true, listen to the government and don't listen to anything else.
4: Yeah. So that, yeah. That's the
3: mindset. So in, in, in this country, it's the CDC. If, if, if anybody says yeah. anything counter to what the CDC says, and we all know they've been wrong about everything COVID for, mm-hmm. since the beginning. So if this was a baseball game, their batting average would be zero. Um, then yeah. it, if, if what they say, if you, what you say is counter to that, that is our definition of disinformation. So it's, it's appealing to authority. It's an appeal to authority. Not to one's own perception. So we're going to we're going right. to We're going to externalize our um, definition of what's true and not.
1: You betcha. You betcha. So I'm going to go on to keep uh, reading their explanation of what they're about to do. A key aspect of the coalition's plan is to mobilize the breadth of its network of members mm-hmm. to facilitate rapid cycle debunking. Mm. Isn't that a nice term? Rapid cycle debunking wow. of particularly egregious disinformation and misinformation incidents that continue to emerge with concerning frequency and that have the potential to harm the public. Additionally, the coalition has begun the creation of an online interactive compendium of relevant programs operated we're sponsored by the coalition members for the purposes of sharing ideas, stimulating mm-hmm. collaboration, facilitating research, while also identifying research gaps, enabling research findings to inform ongoing and new initiatives, supporting the spread of effective strategies and fostering measurement of collective impact.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Count And then here's a quote, countering dangerous disinformation quickly and effectively is essential to public health, said mm-hmm. SUDIP. Chief Executive Officer of AAAS and Executive Publisher of the Science Family of Journals. Oh boy, a journal that's here to save us. We are excited to be part of the Coalition for Trust in Health and Science and to work with other organizations that share the same vision for addressing the current crisis in trust, plaguing the scientific landscape, encouraging evidence-based health choices, and addressing misinformation and disinformation. How many times have they said that in this short space? This collective collaboration has the potential to achieve the vision of evidence-based decision making in healthcare far more effectively than individual action. Okay, 50 member organizations um, currently to just to begin with, and then we will see... um, they share the vision that all people have equitable access to and confidence in the accurate understandable and relevant information necessary to make personally appropriate health decisions additionally members have pledged one support efforts to advance people's scientific and health literacy earn public trust and improve health outcomes and health equity mm. and two work yes, individually and collectively to correct misinformation and counter disinformation that threatens people's health and well-being mm-hmm. and the 50 members are bum bum okay yep. let's just pick out a few we've got the academy of health american academy of nursing american association of college osteopathic medicine pretty much all of your associations of the medical industry abim The American Board of Internal Medicine that is currently trying to pull the certification of Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Denise Sibley, Dr. uh, What
3: KPMG is in there, there, one of the big four accounting firms.
1: Yeah, an accounting firm. I ask Mm -hmm. you, I don't know what bio now bio is the 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 basically the marketing collaboration arm of the entire biomedical industry that's that's mm. who i learned about this from it popped mm. into my yeah. email this morning um and this is a billion dollar you know it's, company. it's right actually
2: here. it's actually funded by or it's part of the arm of uh, jp morgan chase on mm. jp
1: morgan chase there we go and so you've got all of these different inst- in the national pharmaceutical association Um, all your usuals. And then we get down to the coalition is managed by the core convening committee, which includes the following members.
3: Julie's there.
1: Julie's there. So the other names are are kind (laughs) of new to me, so I have to explore them. But yeah, you you latched onto my favorite, Julie Gerberding, who Mm -hmm. I hadn't realized in 2022, in May of 2022, she left Merck, where yeah. she had been, I'll, I'll tell people new to Julie Bearding. So years ago, she was, when, when Gardasil was approved, she was director of the CDC. Mm-hmm. She left them, waited the requisite eight months to a year, and then became the director of vaccines for Merck. And then she rose to a to the top level in Merck. And then in may of twenty two she became the chief executive officer for the Foundation for the National Institutes of Health. Mm-hmm. And here yep. she is. And you know good. if if people are new to her, she, she is a lot like Fauci when you begin to dig very deep sure. into what she has done and his response. So the revolving door brought her back. Now yeah. she's too new on this foundation for the National Institutes of Health to see what she's currently being paid. But of a CEO in the 2019. Um, 990 report that has to be filed was making in excess of 400,000 a year. So, you mm-hmm. know, she's making, she's, she probably doesn't need to be paid. She probably has so much money that she really doesn't need money. Um, so I anyway, know. so there, there That's we go a, there, uh, there. I'm going to go ahead and click on there. I don't know if it'll go over here. So they've got their own oh, beautiful website. Um, I'll go ahead and stop sharing. So it's, it's the uh, trust in health and science.org. And it's, you guys, it's very alarming, because it's massively funded. It's, it's that private public partnership, again, now this foundation for the National Institute of Health, I've done a little bit of a poking around at it, it was one of those foundations created by Congress. So Mm. it's not something easy to get rid of, we need Congress to get rid of it. And then I went and looked at some of the things they're doing, one of the major expenses was $7 million to some company that has to do with clinical trials. They're doing a lot of, a lot of the payouts was going toward biopharma pursuits. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they're, but they're supposedly a nonprofit. I don't know what they're up to, but it's another one of those rabbit holes. And that list of 50, We could we could spend all day Mm -hmm. going from group to group coalition, collaboration, association and find all of those belonging to all these others. It's the most, Mm -hmm. as I said, like back in 2017, it's a tightly woven fabric. Yes. Everywhere you turn, it's the same people and they just keep getting infiltrating your life at every turn. Everywhere yep. you look, every decision you make, everything you read, they've touched it somewhere. They've contaminated yep. it, <laughs> They've yep. infiltrated it. Indeed. So I don't know what we're going to do about that. We need to shine the spotlight. So if you're listening right. to this, um, and we will have the links to this, in, go to informedchoicewashington.org, um, go to our Substack, um, find our Substack page. And then next week when we do our newsletter, we'll have a link to the things we talk about on this show today including that coalition. coalition. Um, so, Javier, how do you see what you just heard they're marrying with that House Bill 1333 in Washington State that is going to be setting up a public health style community-based level system of surveillance and intervention to prevent misinformation and disinformation leading to violent extremism? Those are just like going hand in hand, aren't they?
2: Yeah, this is just another another version of the Ministry of Truth. Uh, they're just putting a nice little white lab coat on it and saying, trust them. They're the experts. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and unlike with it being a Biden thing and a government thing, it's, this is a semi-quasi-government thing. And you can't Congress, unless they disband some of the members that are feeding this, how are we going to get rid of it? It's no, much harder is, to take down.
2: Well, I'm
3: just go ahead. No, no, please. Sorry, interrupt. To oh
2: no, I was just going to say that you know it's what I find most amazing is that the government's actually funding a, a, something that should be you know basically a private uh, enterprise. The government should, I think, they're prohibited by law in trying to regulate speech, and these groups are actually regulating speech or attempting to. Brilliant. I think you just monies, Yeah, right. I think
1: you just found the way that we at least could extract. And you know public money, so I guess we need to write to our Congress people, and maybe that one of those uh, church style committees or whatever committees that Congress is forming, looking at inappropriate. Somebody in Congress needs to hear about this and put a stop to it, right? Because censorship is happening. Thank you, Javier. There you go, brilliant, right there on the, you heard it first on an, an informed life radio.
3: <laughs> well done. But this is, yeah, this is what's been going now, you know, with the Twitter files, uh, the, with the release of the Twitter files, we know that the, um, you know, the current Marxist regime in the United States, um, the uh, Biden cabal, has actively, with, with the FBI, actively censored um, and directed big tech companies like pre-Elon Twitter Fakebook, uh, Google, um, and impressively others uh, specifically directing them to do things they, they, were, they were not allowed to do. That was illegal for the government to do themselves. So now it's, it's been very, very clear and extensively documented. It's not an opinion or a theory. The government directed big tech censorship in very specific ways. Uh, and so the documentation is there with the word, you know, the uh, the um, Biden administration told Twitter to deplatform Alex Berenson, you know, one of dozens, you know, of examples, you know, and Bobby Kennedy at CHD, you know, deplatformed uh, all over the place, you know, for the, you mm-hmm. know, and th- these were very specific targeting requests by the government, and this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is the definition according to Mussolini of fascism. Fascism is this. And what Klaus Schwab refers to as a private public partnership where government is in collusion with with industry, in this case, the big tech industry, uh, to, you know, to control people's lives. If if you like, uh, Bernadette, if you want to open up that. Oh, actually, I think I can do it from here. Um, There's there's, uh, Oh, yeah, there you go. So let me just uh, go forward a bit. I just interviewed Kevin Jenkins. Uh, So this was, here it is. So I, I'm, you know, we're all becoming aware of this in the recent weeks. This just happened a couple of weeks ago, where, uh, and then this is this is being challenged in Congress. but For our uh,
1: radio listeners, go ahead and read what we're looking at.
3: Oh yeah, um, this is published in Epic Times, one of the very few news outlets, you know, in the world um, that is uh, an uncensored, independent outlet. Um, February eighteenth, uh, and the story. Uh, Is entitled Biden administration negotiates deal to give World Health Organization, or as I call the World Homicide Organization, authority over U.S. pandemic policies. New international accord avoids necessary Senate approval. So in the Constitution, somebody who understands the Constitution came up with this scheme to give a supranational government, the World Health Organization, um, to override national sovereignty. In the member nations, which is the whole country, the whole world, 194 countries, whoever signs on to this uh, will allow the WHO, anytime they deem something, anything, to be a public health threat, could be climate change, it could be uh, a pandemic, it could be anything, um, that at that point, the World Health Organization has authority over that country. A superseding and a countermanding overriding national state and local governments
1: did, did did the Biden administration have the legal authority to hand us over in that they did. manner
3: they did and the reason is this is very clever somebody knew their they, they read the Constitution carefully and the Constitution was written again this is 1789 and the govern the the uh, the executive branch, in the US constitution was given fairly limited power and the government and the 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 uh, executive branch the president basically was you know kind of not a big deal uh, it was you know kind of a, a you know not a, a super powerful they were trying to limit the power of the president um, and there was a lot of debate at that time should there even be a president because they were very very suspicious of monarchy and so they they fenced in the president a lot uh, after barely agreeing or among each other to even have one. Um, and so they, they put them in a pretty tight box so that it wouldn't become a monarchy, which is a thing like a lot of people died to escape in the American Revolution. And so, but one of the, one of the powers they gave to the executive branch was the power to negotiate treaties with foreign powers where the president can just like show up in France and say, or communicate with France, or have the, hey guys, you know, can we, can we do this together? And they were allowed to do so without congressional approval. Uh, And so bypassing the, the Congress, which is supposed to be the expressed will of the people. And, you know, many, you know, a long time ago, that used to be the case. Um, And, and the president can negotiate a treaty with a foreign power. In this case, this is a supranational organization. So technically, yes, and now Congress is wise to this, and now they're trying to say, "Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right." Even though, this is one of those classic cases of it, it's, it's immoral, even though it's legal. So you're allowed to do it, but you shouldn't. And so they're trying to, like, uh, you know, Congress or at least certain members of Congress who care about national sovereignty, and you know, see what the globalists. You know, technocrat cabal is trying to accomplish through the WHO, uh, which is, you know, part of the UN, uh, what they're trying to accomplish. Now they're trying to, like, they're kind of reacting to it and trying to limit what's already been done. Now, my opinion is this will not stick. I do not believe (laughs) that the vast majority of Americans are going to allow their. Vaccine, masks, social distancing, closed schools, businesses, and churches, nonsense, which we know did a lot of harm and no benefit, um, according to you know all available evidence. Uh, I don't think they're going to go for that again. But uh, this is definitely a major power play that, again, the Marxist cabal, uh, the globalist cabal, um, is trying to override the national sovereignty of the United States and all nations that sign on to this WHO treaty. So if you, I'm going to, just going to put this up for one more minute. I want to show this. This perfectly follows on what you just said, Bernadette, and highlighting that document you just read. I was okay. like, damn, they're doing the same thing in a different way. So let yeah. me just um, pop this up. And uh, Can you, do
1: you want me to add it to stream there? You oh, know. thank
3: you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. So um, anyway, yeah, and then here's the, you know, the the classic woke code word of equity, equity, uh, which means equality of outcomes, not equality of opportunity. I don't want to get into that. I just want to highlight one thing. So centralized pandemic. Okay. So uh, yeah, so this is basically giving sovereign, giving control over the population of these countries over to the WHO in the context and including surveil- monitoring surveillance uh, in the event of a declared health emergency. Whatever they feel like, a global emergency, they can decide. So, um, so anyway, I want to get into the, to the weeds on this. But this is the part I wanted to focus on. Part of the agreement is what's called one health surveillance and misinformation. And if you, I'm just going to skip to the bottom here. Signatories agree to support the official narrative when it comes to information about a pandemic. Now, we've already been told by Fauci and Gates that there will be another pandemic. How how would they know that? There had had not been a global pandemic in 100 years. And Fauci, and specifically more than 5 million people worldwide, Perished. The last time that happened was over 100 years ago. Fauci, in 2017, announced at Georgetown University at a you know medical meeting that there will definitely be a global pandemic in the next two years. All right, after 100 years of there not being one, that there would be another global pandemic. So how he knew that is anybody can decide. You know what their opinion is about that. Meanwhile, he was overseeing. He exported the research from North Carolina under Peter Daszak to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and moved and funded that research that completed the virus that began development in North Carolina. Obama banned gain-of-function research. Fauci's like no biggie. I'll just move it to my friends in China, the Chinese Communist Party uh, lab. But anyway, so that's uh, so the uh, the the whole thing is anything they decide. Is a pandemic, and we've already been told there's another one coming. Gates wrote a book about it, The Next Pandemic, or something like that. So, th- another one will be released at some point if we take them at their word. And whenever that happens, and the WHO says this is a global health emergency, at that moment, they take control over all pandemic control policies in every nation, which now includes the US that signs on to this WHO treaty. And this includes, if you read the last paragraph, signatories, which are entire countries, each country is a signatory, agree to support the official narrative when it comes to information about a pandemic. Specifically, they will conduct regular, this is a quote from the WHO document. This is not a paraphrase, it's a quote. Conduct regular social listening and analysis to identify prevalence profiles of misinformation. So, so you know, social listening. Yeah, that's social media. Like just what happened to you, right? You sent out a press release, just reporting <laughs> on, observed, you know, uh, you know, somebody did some testing and found, you know, uh, that that's what happened. Uh, myocarditis. Um, so that, you know, so somebody posted that, that's social listening. So any communications will be monitored and to design communications and messaging strategies for the public to counteract misinformation, which is accidental disinformation, which is intentional and false news, according to who thereby strengthening public trust in the official narrative. So this, so just to be clear, this has already happened. The United States, again, whoever is in control of our half dead president um is, is they've already directed him to sign you know the, the senile puppet um you know just you're not just
1: holding any punches
3: following there orders, you know <laughs> so he just followed orders again you know he can't yeah. complete a sentence if he's not reading off teleprompter but um uh, you know anyway he's he so, has, so- he assigned the united states on to this world health organization pandemic treaty, which includes this. So the next step is whenever they decide something is a health emergency, and it could be anything, by the way, it doesn't have to be a pandemic, like a viral pandemic, uh, then this kicks in. Now, when it comes to implementation, they're going to have a huge problem getting this to actually stick Okay.
1: So we got like about one minute, we're going to take a break, but, but Dr. Michael Gaet is coming back and, and most of the next hour is going to be positive, but we, we've got a little yes. bit of leftover. That's going to be coming here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and remove this. When we come back though, I'm going to pick up here because I'm going to show you three places where one health is has been in place for at least five years. Yeah. So, um, and I know there are, there are far more. Um Wow. Uh, you know, I subscribe to Epic Times, but I don't always have time to to read it. That what you oh. were reading from just then was an Epic Times article, correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. so we need to get that link out to everybody so they can sure. read it, and you need to share that. This is so concerning. You add the the trust thing going on with the Foundation for NIH. You've got the global health. You've got bills in Washington yeah, and State. The trust
3: initiative as well.
1: Yeah, we people. We are under attack here with our freedom um
3: and there's good news
1: huh and there's,
3: and
0: there's good, good news. news
1: to come because <laughs> you know we don't give up and we will i just believe in humanity and i believe goodness is stronger than evil we're going to do it so Boy. we're going to take a few minute break you've been listening to an informed life radio on eleven fifty a.m kknw and chd tv we will be back and we'll bring you some good news in the second hour <laughs>
0: If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom loving, truth telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to The Flame USA. Com.
1: During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org.
2: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website, informedchoice.org. O-R-G. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informchoicewa.org
0: today. We need a
1: Hello, and welcome back to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. You know, I I think I did probably half of the shows over the past couple of years without telling you who I am, but that's okay. You don't, it's not about me. It's about the information that we are bringing to you. And holy cow, what a first hour. I want to bring back uh, Javier Figueroa, my sometimes awesome co-host who has brilliantly solved (laughs) a problem already and hope Congress was listening to take action. And we've also got Dr. Michael Gaeta in the house. Hello, Dr. Michael.
3: Great to be back and always great to yeah. be here Bruntte and Javier. Yeah. Thank you.
1: So you I'm gonna I'm gonna overlap just a little bit with that first hour then we're gonna try to get on to some hope and healing and, and all that but you know some of this, even as we stay on the same topic are, are hopeful. But you know I wanted to share with you um, things that I had discovered you know that term one health is just sounds so lovely doesn't it um, but but let me show you a couple of things Um let's see if this is working is, is that showing there we go Um, so here we've got I think at Texas ADM eight um can somebody say that for me I just went Texas AM. and m um, I don't know why I just couldn't I got that T in the middle anyway they've got a global one health Um, department in the School of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences, committing to making the world safe and secure by applying the collaborative principles of One Health, the Mm. synergy of animal, human, and environmental sciences to foster health and security across the globe. Now, I've got to believe that the people working in this department truly believe they're doing good. You know, sure. whoever is planting and seeding this di- this idea everywhere, you know, it's like that child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, going, "Come here, little one, you're gonna like this," you know. Mm-hmm. And they have no idea what it's going to be um, used for. Now, let's see. Um, if I if I jump over, does this jump with me? Are you seeing another?
3: Picture? And they misspelled principles.
1: Oh, I like it. So uh, I'm going to show another one. Um, There's probably a faster way to do it. And I apologize. I don't know how to do it fast. Um, Here we've got University of Tennessee, One Health Initiative, uniting disciplines to protect and promote the health of all life on earth. Humans, animals, plants, and the environment are inextricably linked with the health of one affecting the health of all. Same concept, idea, right? And of mm-hmm. course, what they're focusing on now, and what you see when you go look, at like the overuse of antibiotics in animals leading to human disease. I agree. I'm on board. Got to fix that, right? But you know, based on what you brought to us, uh, Dr. Michael, we know it's. Um, it's more than that. It's way mm-hmm. more than that. And I, I won't take the time, but there's one in Idaho, Javier, uh, Washington State. Everywhere you go, either a university or a government agency or both. In Tennessee, we both have a, gov- a government agency, a .gov, that's One Health, and mm-hmm. we have UT doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been integrated since about 2015, 16. They began introducing this concept and getting major players on board. And it's pretty easy to get your universities on board because that's where all the funding's coming from already. These same players are doing the funding. So this tightly woven fabric to achieve this goal of basically World War III without firing a shot that's a traditional shot.
3: Well, right, right. Well, yes, the carrot and the stick. They, they would much prefer people voluntarily sign up for a global surveillance state with a centralized bank digital currency, implanted chip, and, mm-hmm. uh, and a social credit system, right? With all mm-hmm. of that is the goal, a surveillance state. They'd rather people signed up for that voluntarily. That's the carrot. And look yeah. how great it will be. But then they've got the stick, yeah. uh, which is the enforcement you know, that they'll bring to bear. And that's where, you know, it gets a little, at least in the United States, like that's just not going to happen. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Good not- to know what they're, what they're thinking.
1: Exactly. And then I I wanted to bring in Javier, you er, emailed me earlier. Um, this nullification act, this wonderful Bud Holsey is a fantastic representative oh, here in in, yeah. in Tennessee. And we had him out to my little, area here recently for an event about making gold and si- silver legal tender in the state of Tennessee. We've got some bills that are slowly moving through the House. There has to be a lot of education um, with the legislature so they understand what we're doing and putting in place. Or I say we, but I'm just supporting it. And it was <sighs> Bud Halsey, Senator Nicely, and some others who really have been on this for years. Um, and so this House Bill 726 and then the Senate version 1092 by Janice Bowling, who I adore, two of my favorite people here. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and look at this, because what we talked about in the first hour with um, the federal government, with Biden signing away our sovereignty. I'm wondering if this nullification. Javier, what do you think you want to go ahead so and, and read? Go ahead. My
2: read on it. And again, uh. there's i haven't had a chance to read it uh just had a basically looked over some of the summary statements and some of the uh some of the applications of it
1: yeah let me just read just some of the highlights here to give uh listeners an idea of what's in this bill and article one it says and this is findings so the way bills are written in tennessee you can have a whereas that just makes some statements that support why this bill is you know, being birthed. Um, But if it's really, really important, you put it in the findings, because then the language becomes part of the actual law. And Mm -hmm. they're making this part of the actual law. Um, And it's called Restoring State Sovereignty Through Nullification Act. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution of Tennessee says that all power is inherent in the people, and it declares... All powers inherent in the people and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for the peace, safety and happiness. For the advancement of those ends, they have at all times an unalienable and indefeasible right to alter reform or abolish the government in such manner as they may think proper. And then Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution of Tennessee says that government being instituted for the common benefit, the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. Well, that was the past three years, wasn't it, that we saw government um, instituted for, wait, the doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power. Now wait a minute. I'm not quite reading this right. Right? Somebody want to pull that apart for me? There, the doctrine of non-resistance. Oh, it means we need to resist. Hello. Okay. I uh, that negative in there got me. Okay. Um so anyway, we need to resist against arbitrary power and oppression. Okay. So when we, the people ordained and established the constitution of the United States, the people in the States granted only specific limited powers to the federal government with those areas of federal powers being enumerated in article one, section eight of the constitution. So then it goes on and it's giving some more about the separation of powers, uh, what's contained in the constitution. Um, uh, I'll skip on a little bit more there. It's just brilliant. It's showing that we've got this fabric and foundation of independence and the ability to um, step away from things that are absurd. And we've got this the separation of powers. So, boy, it keeps going on with the intent, intent, intent. And I'm going to get down there to the actual law. They do some definitions Okay, then we get down to the actual bit of the law, and it's really pretty small. It is declared that federal laws, federal executive actions, and federal court opinions must comply with the jurisdictional limitations of the United States Constitution. It is further declared that any federal action outside the enumerated powers set forth in the United States Constitution are in violation of the peace and safety of the people of the state, and therefore said acts are declared void and must be resisted. The next section says, the proper manner of resistance is a state action of nullification of the federal action. Boom. Okay. I I want your two gentlemen and you know way more about politics than I do, politics than I do. I want you then to take over the conversation. Would that nullification act, do you think help us with this treaty with the World Health Organization?
3: Well, historically, this whole nullification thingamajig uh, really um, came to point in the 1830s. And uh, basically the, uh, the federal government, uh, instituted a series of federal tariffs and South Carolina, this would have injured South Carolina and their agricultural crops and such at the time. And so they said, you know what, we're not, we're not doing it. And so they, uh, attempted to use, uh, Uh, an aspect of the U S constitution. The constitution does give states the right to block the enforcement of a federal law, but it doesn't specifically state how another, in other other words, it's um, there's two parts of the constitution. One is it says anything not explicitly stated in the constitution is reserved unto the states, right? So anything that the constitution does not give to the federal government is by default given To the states to regulate themselves, because the idea of the Constitution was and the idea of the the United States was these were sovereign states who signed up to be together in the United States, voluntarily signed on to join this bigger thing. And And the whole federal versus state power balance has really been, you know, in flux, let's just say, and has been challenged and back and forth, you know, since the Constitution was ratified you know, roughly 150, you know, 250 years ago.
1: I And I want to have to say, you know, I'm almost 60 years old. I'll be 60 in June. I never fully understand that the state I lived in was really a separate, separate sort of sovereign governmental entity onto itself. I understood we lived in the United States of America, but I yeah. never until you actually just said this. I didn't step back and, and really fully understand what it meant because I was raised to be taught you're an American, yes. you're a United States citizen first, yes. and Washington second, your county next. It should have been you're a person, you live in a county, you know, member of a state. It should have been the bottom up, but I was always taught it top right. down. I, I never right. understood that separation at all. And I right. think that was intentional.
3: Yeah, well, you know the the the, um, the Declaration of Independence from from England um, was the first, and the U.S. Constitution them you know, together uh, were the first, you know, the most enlightened political documents in human history, easily. And you know, the constitutions of many other countries have you know followed on the model of the U.S. model, which was the sovereignty of the individual is based on our God given rights. Right. And so um, and this is all over the place in the uh, in the, the, the in the uh, founding years is that and this originally you know, went back to John Locke, who was sort of the intellectual father of the United States, uh, who basically brought forth this new idea of the uh, of God given rights given to the individual and the purpose and function of governments and the state in general. The state, not like North Carolina or Tennessee, but the state being the government, capital S, being to preserve those God-given rights. Um, so anyway, not to get too far afield, this whole nullification thing is, is is interesting because there's the Constitution gives states the right to block the enforcement of a federal law, but that power has not been explicitly stated in the Constitution. So they said, yes, the states have this right, but it didn't give detail. And so what happened in 1833 was South Carolina said, screw you guys, you know, we, we, we reject this federal tariff in 1832. And in 1832, South Carolina, um, a very agricultural you know, state at that time, and to some extent today, adopted the ordinance of nullification, declaring these federal tariffs null, void, and non-binding in their state referencing the constitution giving the states the right to block enforcement of a federal law. But then, you know, the, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, very top down, top heavy, you know, slightly more tyrannical Andrew Jackson, you know, one of the founders of the democratic party, uh, responded by issuing a proclamation that asserted the supremacy of the federal law and threatened the use of the U S military, Against South Carolina to make sure uh, they they followed this federal law. So South Carolina lost that battle, but you know this is still kind of an open question of how much power do the states have to nullify federal um, laws or federal declarations? And so th- it's this whole federal versus state collective versus state, you know, power struggle that has, you know, has always, you know, been a a thing in the last roughly 200 years since this went down uh, of, you know, you have states' rights advocates on one side uh, who are resisting federal overreach, which has been abominable in, you know, in the COVID era. And then on the other side, you have the, you know, sort of the executive power Uh, the federal government can tell you what to do and you have to live with it. Uh, Other side, in order to maintain order and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so it's really been, you know, kind of a thing. My opinion is that the states have been finding their backbone in recent, specifically in the COVID era, states were initially kind of cowered to federal doctrine and regulations um and now you know led by florida led by texas led by tennessee led by other states who are 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 trying to like test out okay how much power do states have to regulate their own citizenry and this had this came to pass with roe v wade being overturned um where it simply returned the power to the states which was actually a very constitutional thing to do, regardless of how you feel about the issue. Um, you know, Roe versus Wade was a terrible ruling based on a privacy clause that was just a massive you know, uh, federal overreach. And, and the undoing of Roe v. Wade simply said, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't a constitutional call. We're returning the power to the states where it belongs. States can do what they want. It didn't you know, legalize abortion. It simply said, It's up to the states. That's all it said. What happened in the last year was the Supreme Court's returned the power to the states. So this nullification thing that you bring up is very significant because what is brewing is this power struggle versus an increasingly tyrannical government, way different than what was originally framed in the Constitution, especially in the executive branch, which has become much more of a dictatorship, much more of a monarchy, regardless of... You know, Republican or Democrat that's in the Oval Office. This unbelievable amount of executive orders um, that get issued—hundreds of them. Uh, so we have this this like concentration of executive power and flexing of muscle from the executive branch. And then on the other side, you have states who are like, we don't, we don't, we're not going with that. And we have the ability to not accept these federal edicts. Uh, from the executive branch, and from the administrative state, which are unelected bureaucrats who exert control, unelected, unaccountable, who exert control over the population. So CDC, FDA, state health departments, county health departments are great examples of this. These are unelected bureaucrats, mostly, um, with exceptions, who are asserting control over individual citizens uh, and, and citizens are starting to say, Hey, wait a minute. We did not give you power to do this. You're unelected. We didn't elect you. We didn't grant you this power. And so there's this whole like thing going on, which I think is very healthy uh, to counter this federal overreach, which we've seen in the COVID era of the government asserting powers. It doesn't have and seeing how far it can push the States and then the states, seeing how far they can push local counties and then individual citizens with what they can get away with. And so what we're seeing with this nullification movement, I believe, is a healthy pushback to the uh, e- the excessive expression of federal and administrative state overreach.
1: Bravo. He knows his history. Isn't he just amazing? <laughs> Yes. We've got the yes. greatest
3: country on earth. And for a reason, we have the most enlightened form of government ever created, ever created. And people don't appreciate it. And yeah. you got to know something about it, you know, and uh, cause we have more, you know, we have more power than we think we do. Exactly. And, and,
1: and, and there's, there's the hope people we said in the first hour, we we're going to make things look pretty dark, but the hope <laughs> is, well, what I love is the infrastructure of a great free, ethical nation of people you know doing things right this we've got it we don't need to reinvent the wheel we've got it we just got to take the wheel back and and it's education um going back to the roots learning from people like you uh Dr. Gaeta so that we really understand you know we we can fix what other people have co-opted. And yes. so Javier, I, I want to hear what you, your thoughts on the nullification bill, because you've brought it back to my attention. I knew about it. In fact, thanks to you, sir, now I have to drive back to Nashville on Monday night because <laughs> it gets its first subcommittee hearing on Tuesday and I have got oh, to be there. And we got to start raising some support for it. Absolutely. So um, while, while you were teaching us, I was texting somebody to start drafting um, something to send out to people <laughs> To make well, sure everybody's just, on board, yeah.
2: There you go. Well, no, and just to, to buttress uh, Dr. Gaeta's um, um, uh, fantastic overview of the whole nullification process, the one reason that South Carolina failed was because they didn't have support from the other states to basically right. say, we, we support you. If, it, if they'd gotten three states, that the federal government would back down. And what's interesting is that Andrew Jackson was known to be one of the first proponents of disbanding a central bank in the United States. Mm. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dichotomy that you have a, a president who was so against central banking authority but he wanted to maintain federal authority over trade and tariff. Yeah, he was a a bundle of contradictions, for sure. That's a good way of putting it. But this really highlights the point that if enough states basically say, absolutely not, we're asserting this right under the Constitution of the United States, there's federal and then there's state, then there's something that can be done. And then if enough states do it, it creates such a problem that the federal government basically says, we can't do anything.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's a great summary uh, from the Cato Institute. Uh, in a nutshell, state officials need not enforce federal laws that the state is determined to be unconstitutional. Uh, is this showing up on the screen?
1: Uh, no. Let me see oh, if okay. I can do see, that. Yeah, there
2: we go. I'm just oh, sharing. Yeah. Oh,
3: oh. Is it one uh, of your slides? Or, uh, or you were on, slide-
1: it's, it's, You're doing the Chrome?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm doing the Chrome. Let me see. Oh, window. And- Hold on. Oh, entire screen. Let me do entire screen. And let me see if this works.
1: I don't know. That might show everything on your desktop. Are you sure about that? Are you,
3: sure you seeing, you know, I there? thought of it. Can there you see uh, words? Yes.
1: Fans okay. of nullification count on the states to check federal yes. tyranny.
3: The, this center um, paragraph is, is really useful. This is from the Cato Institute, which is a you know famous think tank. State officials need not enforce federal laws that the state is determined to be unconstitutional. The state has determined to be unconstitutional. Nor may Congress mandate that states enact specific laws. So that's all in favor of the pro-nullification um, uh, movement. But states may not block federal authorities who attempt to enforce a federal law. And that's what happened in South Carolina. Federal authorities using threat of force attempted, they did enforce a federal law, unless a court now, a, I assume it's a federal court has held that the law is unconstitutional. So this question of nullification, you know, in in may possibly get, end up getting settled by the judicial system. And three mm-hmm. individuals are not exempt from prosecution by the federal government, just because the state where they reside is legalized in activity or pronounced that a federal law is unconstitutional. If convicted individuals can attempt to vindicate their constitutional rights in court. So what this means as so many things these days are, and at the moment, that's a good thing is that um, all of these state versus federal issues are going to end up getting sorted out. At least some of them in court. Um, and because the, you know it's kind of like can see it both ways. And the purpose of the courts, at least the Supreme Court of the United States, their function is not to make laws. That was the mistake of Roe v. Wade. They 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 uh, they legislated from they created laws from the bench, not their job. Right? That's one of the reasons why it's such a bad law is that they were they were creating laws. They were legislating, uh, you know, making new law basically from. The bench, the constitutional bench, the uh, the um, judicial bench. So that's why it was a, you know, one of the reasons it was a bad law. But the, the, pur- the actual purpose of the judiciary, especially the Supreme Court, was to decide in individual cases. Because the founders and framers knew we're not going to think. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. So if something comes up and we don't know if it's allowed under the Constitution, we have a Supreme Court that will sort that out and decide whether an issue is, you know, how to decide in it was a brilliant setup, uh, not only being the third branch of government, but also to settle issues that were not foreseen at the time, uh, according to what the constitution actually says. Um, and that's was their job. So that's where probably this is going to go. I really, I mean, I'm definitely a state's rights guy, uh, you know, because of, you know, this ridiculous overreach by the federal government, um, you know, just increasingly in recent years. Um, and I understand that, you know, some of this stuff's going to get settled in court.
1: What, what I have seen, let's, let's like look at cannabis laws in the different states. Oh, geez, yeah. Can, cannabis is still a federally banned substance, at like a real high level. It's a huge crime. But as states Pass laws that say it's legal in their state, the federal government has chosen not to enforce their federal law in those states. There's been this truce that allows it to happen in that, you know, so it, it hasn't had to come to a head. But the other thing I've been saying that is disturbing um, at, in at the state level and the federal level is a law is only as strong as the political will to enforce it. Yeah. So such as like, (laughs) right. It's emergency use authorization specifically says, you know, you have to be told it's emergency use and you have to be told you can opt out of it and there can't be coercion. It's all in there. But that has been violated everywhere because of the lack of political will to enforce the law. So you have an example of that as well?
3: I do. And, uh, it has to do with the, uh, second amendment, which, uh, where the rights of the people to bear arms shall not be infringed. Right? So that's, that's what the constitution says. And there's all kinds of infringement that has been going on in the last century, especially, but especially in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, all of which were unconstitutional. Um, and, and, and I'll give you an example here in Colorado. Um, a couple of um, there was a bill passed here in Colorado limiting the size of magazine. There's a magazine limit. Right. And and I have to laugh. All of these gun control measures are aimed at an inanimate object rather than the bearer of the inanimate object. Right. Which is really the issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's another side, but you will not find, you will be hard pressed to find any, police officer or sheriff in the state of Colorado who was enforcing it's on the books. It's a law on the books. And the two sponsors of that bill were recalled. They got fired immediately after that bill was passed. The people in their districts recalled them and they like got fired from being representatives, but the damage was done. It's, it's a law on the books, but you will not find or or you'd be hard pressed to find any law enforcement officer in Colorado who is enforcing these magazine, these stupid, ridiculous, absurd. um, So it can,
1: it can go both ways. You can have, you can have people using common sense, you know, um, in like out in Washington state, most of the sheriffs and most of the counties were not enforcing mask mandates and yes. other things like that exactly. they they knew it, it was violating the Constitution they there it wasn't a law so you know law that, law. that you know so it's really this interesting dynamic yeah. um, people can be harmed people can be helped but it, it showed me really how fragile um, what the, what's the uh, um, the rule of law can be. We we write all these wonderful words on paper, but yep. they're only as strong as people willing to carry it out. But it makes me really happy to know that people won't carry out sometimes bad laws because a lot of bad things are being written now. And we yep. just have to be strong enough to say no.
3: Right. Well, that's such a good point, Bernadette. And I saw it here. I mean, I live in a pretty woke town here in Boulder, like like a lot of like a lot of intelligence, not a lot of wisdom. Um, and, uh, uh, a lot of education, but a lot of like f- educated fools and, uh, and folks who are very super willing to be do, do whatever they're told, very compliant sort of California like town. And, um, and I saw it firsthand, I was on the street, you know, just, just walking to meet a friend and I saw, you know, a, what's what, what might be called a Karen asking, and this is in the middle of the mask hysteria and a Karen grabbed a police officer and said, look at him, tell him he has to put a mask on. He's not wearing a mask. And the police officer said, not my job, which is true. It wasn't a law. It was never a law. It was a regulation. It was overreached by the administrative state, trying to bully people into doing what they tell them to do without the rule of law. And the law enforcement officer, the Leo, the police officer, Boulder Police Department, accurately stated not my job. They're mm-hmm. not breaking the law. Cause it's not a law, mm-hmm. and we pretended that it was. And you yeah. know, you had tyrannical governors like Whitmer in Michigan and so forth, who you know attempted to enforce, use law enforcement to enforce regulations that were not passed by the legislature, right, uh, and signed into law by the governor as if they were laws but they weren't. So, you know, this is where a lot of this lands, and I'm glad you brought this up because um, it, it all comes down, like this WHO thing. So tomorrow, you know, Tedros declares a global pandemic of, I don't know, climate change. And, you know, this is part of the globalist nonsense. This uh, And and then say okay, because of this, you know, everybody in the United States uh, has to drive an electric car. I don't know, I'm just making stuff up. Or uh, can't have a, a gas stove, which the, the government is trying to ban gas stove as, as a climate nonsense. But what's how is that is that going to be enforced? Are you actually going to have law enforcement like do that? And are people going to stand up for it? And what we're seeing and what you pointed out was we're finding out that we get to push back and that they will keep pushing towards global surveillance state. Until somebody, individuals, communities, counties, states, or that's going to be about it, uh, push back. And uh, and that's exactly why, it's one of the reasons I'm so hopeful, is that, you know, uh, that people are not putting up with it. People are increasingly not putting up with this crap.
1: I love and- it. I I Yeah, I love it. And, you know, what makes me, I love Bringing it down to the simplest terms, just because some powerful moron, I'm sorry, I'm I having fun playing. I, you're, I'm Your yeah. criticism and is contagious here. But just because some moron, it, you know, and it was some global power, put some black marks on a piece of paper, which is basically what it, I mean. I'm going to put these black marks on a piece of paper and then I'm going to hand it to this guy who's got dementia and he's going to sign it. And that means that you have to live in a 15 minute city and you have to wear a yep. mask and you have to get 10 injections a year of this. Yep. Um, no, it's silly. It's silly yep. that you put marks on a paper and then I have to do something. Um, I believe in the rule of law. I believe that humans do really well by creating societies where we respect yeah. laws that are ethical and that makes sense. But I think. In order to stay ethical and stay making sense, we all need to feel empowered from the time we're little. Well, maybe not too little, because then your kids are pushing back on you. But at a certain age, you know that if somebody's asking you to do something and you know it is wrong, Mm. not just you don't want to do it, but because you know it really is wrong, blah, 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 um, then it's your duty as a free citizen of the planet with yeah. the rights given to you by God above right to not do it and to push back. Right. Yeah, so that absolutely. self-empowerment and, yeah. and, you know, tyranny and and communism and socialism and all things, there's a reason why they try to get away with religion and anything that and makes them. you feel self-empowered, connected to a higher power above government. Yeah. Right. They don't want you to go absolutely. there and discover that. But-
3: well, yeah. And that's, th- that was the message of, the founders, you know, Ben Franklin was huge on this, that, uh, our rights come from God, not from man uh, or, or humankind. Um, and if that's true, if, if, if human, if humanity didn't grant those rights, then humanity, the state cannot take them away. And, you know, this only, this whole globalist surveillance state, Um, that one world government currency, all this stuff, which is obviously the goal, and they've stated it openly. It's not like a secret. It's not a theory. It's like what they said we're going for uh, in writing, you know, or in a speech. Um, This only happens if we go along with it. Right. So, you know, that's, that's really, and, and, and I'm so heartened because So many people have realized that they do not have to follow nonsensical things. Now, what you brought up is really important, Bernadette, because the blind obedience, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and I live in a town of largely blind obedience, it's like a mini California, blind obedience to all uh, instructions or, or demands or whatever, uh, full compliance, blind obedience is the end of morality.
2: Hmm. morality
3: is my own individual sense of right and wrong, right? Right. And so there's this like, you know, and I'm saying it's a a gray area of balance between law and like the rule of law and one's own individual sovereignty and agency as a human being. And I'm not saying I have the answer in every situation. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying that's the power struggle is the the state tells you to do this and you know you have a decision to make right and 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 if you if you don't if you if you to, if you do everything you're told in every instance that's the end of morality because you no longer have agency or sovereignty as an individual so there's this balance and and I'm not proposing anarchy but we've seen in the covid era how people let their personal sovereignty and agency, get completely overrun, which was their choice, by state and federal edicts, which turned out to be completely wrong. all of it, right? Like I said, CDC and every health department in the country, if it was a baseball game, their batting average would be zero. They they didn't get a single thing right about mass distancing, closing schools, churches, businesses, injection mandates, all this. Everything was wrong. Not anything helped and did a lot of harm. So, you know, I think that has really brought up the backbone of an increasingly large uh, segment of the population who are saying, you know what, that didn't work. And that felt coercive because it was. And I'm not going to do that again. You know, and so I think, you know, we, we need to first come from what I call God consciousness, or consciousness of the divine of this larger reality that we are all a part of where, which gave us our human rights. And from that place, you know, we build a new world and I have to say, you know, I, I, you know, I, I get where you're coming from, Bernard. like, how do we stop them? But we're not going to, uh, we, we need to, we need to create and, and and the way we, uh, stop them, the way we do stop them is by doing what we're doing, which is to create parallel systems, of delivering information like this awesome podcast, which is on an uncensored you know platform and which I'm doing with my school. And, you know, uh, people are leaving this censorship paradigm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. A million
3: people a month are leaving fake book, right? Uh, so, and I think that's just in the United States, but or a lot of people, or maybe that's globally, but people are leaving these censored platforms and just making new ones. Like we're, I still want social media. I still want to connect with people, who are a love like mind, we're just going to do it outside the system. Right. There you go. And, 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 you know, this, this global currency says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find neighbors that I'm going to barter with or whatever it is. Like there's a million ways to do this. I'm not going to buy into the, 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 the uh, yeah. food system. And so this is all coming from, you know, uh, and this is the blessing of the COVID tyranny is that people are waking up to their own individual sovereignty and of the power of decentralized local networks and connections and tribes and communities and friends and things like that. Um, and then that's where the solution comes from. Yeah. Know, uh,
1: your- I, yes, I, I'm so much in agreement. And it's going to come through, through peace and hope and love and rebuilding and restructuring and going around. It's got to be primarily bottom up.
3: Exactly, only but both. also,
1: all, no, I don't think only. Well, mostly. Though, because I wouldn't say only, right? Yeah, maybe not right, only. because it's like, like here in Tennessee, we have got this great nullification bill. Yes. we've got yes. some bills that are going to make gold and silver legal tender. Mm. We've got other parental rights protective bills. So we we've got Which to do that. That's coming from. Up.
4: Yeah, it came from right. the bottom
1: up, right? And some great legislators that were elected yes. from the bottom up, right? Can't but say. each of us individually in our daily lives. And then we reach out to our local governments and that filters up and, but then we go after to the top until it's, it's sort of like, I don't know. There's got to be this metaphor. I'm envisioning something where you crack this hard thing over that's yeah. like, cap- like an alien's encapsulated you. Yeah. Or like that third <laughs> um, Tim Allen Santa Claus movie where the people are frozen and then they the little girl hugged them and they melted and then the shell of yeah. ice cracked off of them. Yeah. It's, it's like this evil shell of ice is trying to capture American freedom. But if yeah. we hug it with love, right, because our movement is peaceful. Yes. Yeah you know it goes we we stop feeding the monster yes we we literally stop feeding the monster and we start it it it's easy for me to say and i've been saying this for three years because i live in a bubble i don't have a job to lose i'm a volunteer so you know and i'm pretty good boss to myself and i you know so i (laughs) get nobody can fire me um you know, I got a great little family. We own our own home. You know, I mean, I live in a bubble where I can easily do what I do. I'm not sacrificing anything, so I do understand. Yeah. But we're in crude expression. They've all heard me say it here. It's stand up or bend overtime, people. Because if you don't, you're playing their game and you're giving them. You're allowing mm. them to capture you. But mm. I'm telling you. Every, don't you feel empowered when you, like Javier, you recently moved. That was hard for you because, you know, oh, you go? were in a place, he moved from Washington to Idaho. Oh,
3: so. Upgrade.
2: Yeah. Very much so. And very Idaho much so.
3: might be getting bigger.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: as a matter of fact, that's, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. We,
1: we got some time. Let me, Bernard, shut up. You, you, Javier, you, you jump in here and talk about it from your experience.
2: Well, what I wanted to say that you know, the, this conversation is fantastic because it really highlights the the importance of engagement and also the the individual power we have. And like you said, this is, these are all moral choices. It was a moral choice to say, "No, I'm not I'm not complying with anything." And it's again that core group of people that push back. And you know, now there's there's an attempt for amnesty. All these conversations about, well, let's just sweep it under the rug and forget everything that happened. Nope, no. <laughs> There there is a moral there is a moral equation and a moral balance that needs to be needs to be restored. And on that note, there's something that's very important. Each state has the power to check the federal government, basically say, look, if we're paying into this federal system, all of us, we're putting in, you know, we're our, our, our citizens are turning over their hard-earned labor to you in the form of taxes. We have a right to ask that the federal government please provide a receipt for the services rendered as well as where all the money's going. And that becomes a major contentious issue because basically the state can say, you know what, we can hold all the federal taxes in escrow in our own banks. And until you actually show us where you put that money, we have the right to withhold it in escrow. That means we don't have it. You don't have it. It's in escrow. So one of the major things that most people don't realize is that currently the United States can't account for more than $21 trillion. And it's probably over $60 trillion of federal spending. And the other thing that most people don't realize is that all the money that has been gone unaccounted for, that's the responsibility of the Federal Reserve System. They mm. act as for the federal government. And if the federal government can't account for 60 trillion plus of our tax dollars, they're liable as well. It's not just the government, it's mm. the Federal Reserve. Now, I'm not saying uh, one of the other things that uh, is important is that this is not an analysis based on supposition. These are actual numbers that have been at least partially corroborated by Mark Skidmore at the University of Michigan. Hmm. He's an expert on government financing. So states, Tennessee, Idaho, Texas, Florida have not only the right, but the obligation to say, what have you done with their citizens' taxes?
4: hmm
2: yeah and That's and the great.
1: percentage the percentage going to american citizens and the percentage going around the world for other things oh sure you know sure. just a, they open a hose and and let the money out to the rest yep. of the world where yeah. where's the money going to help all those citizens in idaho that were just poisoned no. out of their homes no. where's the federal rescue money yeah. there
3: none yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, I I appreciate that Javier because it, it really um, I am very hopeful for for two reasons. One is God wins every time, whatever you call that—universal loving intelligence, divine consciousness, whatever you want to call it—you know, so is up to you. But that thing, that that larger, for always wins. There's never been a time in human history when eventually that has won the day. For example, um, MLK said, you know, the moral arc of the universe is long but it bends towards justice
2: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, and so the for me the end is sure right this tyranny will end this tyranny will not come to pass and first of all you, you're not going to have it's impossible you're not going to have a global um one world government right and there's three reasons for that one is called india well there's at least two reasons for that one is called india which is 20 percent of the world they're not they're not going for it and russia which is now, you know, once again, a Christian nation, 70% Christian nation. And they're not, they, they know what the globalists are trying to pull off and they're like, we're not doing that, right? Think what you want of Putin and whatever else, that's up to you. But that country is a big country and like the largest nuclear arsenal in the world is not going to go for this Klaus Schwab, WEF, Gates thing. They see through it and they're not doing it. Right. So you can't just from that and and the United States, I do believe the United States is not going to sign on like the average American is not going to buy into this crap and this global governance surveillance state thing. So you have the United States, you have Russia and you have India at at a minimum. Right. Canada's lost. Europe is lost. Australia's lost. New Zealand is lost. China is, you know, uh, is a driver of world communism for sure um but this is not going to happen even from that perspective. And the second thing, you know, the so that's this global thing is not going to go down. God wins. There are huge countries that are not going to sign on to this and this global thing is not going to go down. The last thing I would say is uh and I was just having lunch with a friend talking about this and we were like how is this going to work out? You know like like the, our country is so deeply divided between uh Americans American patriots and Marxists, leftists, the woke left. I don't see how that's getting together. And she's like, how is this going to work? And I'm like, I really don't know. But I do remember what happened in the Gulf of Mexico. And some, you know, some of us remember from years ago, the Deepwater Horizon oil platform, ExxonMobil, uh, busted up. It broke. And like a gazillion gallons or barrels of oil was leaked into the Gulf of Mexico. And this was seen by like every Marine. You you, could throw a tennis ball and hit a dozen Marine biologists (laughs) who said humanity is done. This is going to poison the world's oceans. It's going to leak out of the Gulf of Mexico. This is a ridiculous amount of oil. We're going to poison the oceans. Life in the oceans will end from the algae to the fish. And without that, we're all dead and humanity is, is over because of what happened in the Gulf of Mexico, this massive, like gazillion, trillion, whatever amount of oil that's spilled in the Gulf of Mexico. You did not find, at least that I was aware of, a single marine biologist who said, you know what? There's a type of bacteria in the Gulf of Mexico that can eat oil. And with that much food, it's going to multiply like crazy. And this particular bacteria is going to eat all the oil and save the world. Nobody said that, but that's exactly what happened. And nobody could think of that. Nobody thought of it. Like, you know, well, maybe there's a bacteria that could eat oil. It it wasn't something anybody logically could figure out, but life worked it out. However, Life worked it out. Oh, I love that. God sorted it out. Life, divine (laughs) intelligence, any word you want to use, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Life sorted that out in a way that no one could think of. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's, I'm making room for divine intervention. Like stuff is happening, you know, that, that I can't think of it. I, I don't think we can logically figure out how all this is going to work out, right? This whole like patriot versus Marxist dividing the United States. I can, I, my mind, I can't think of a logical way this is going to work out. That's why Marjorie Taylor Greene said we need to have a national divorce because she can't figure it out either. How are we, we're so divided. We're on opposite ends of the planet. Ideologically, how are we going to stay United States? When we have leftists and everybody else, uh, liberals and conservatives versus these angry, loud victim le- leftists, these Marxist folks, like how is that going to get together, right? You have liberals and conservatives who deeply value freedom of speech, and you have leftist woke Marxists who deeply value censorship, right? And you've experienced that, uh, Bernadette. I've experienced that. You know, Bobby yeah. Kennedy's experienced that. You know, a lot of people are just sharing their opinions. Have 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 experienced that. So how is that going to reconcile, right? How are the liberals and conservatives who deeply value and treasure and defend freedom of speech going to reconcile somehow with woke, leftist, Marxists and gotcha. censorship? So anyway, there's a, there's a way this will work out, even though we can't logically see how. Just and you
1: know. yeah, we got like two minutes remaining here and i know one of the answers is mellow out i mean yeah. stand in your truth don't 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 be compliant but right. be calm in your faith of what is true stand in yeah. your truth open your heart with grace and love go plant your feet on the grass and literally ground with the planet mm. meet your neighbors learn how to grow food um, hug your kids yeah. listen to music Go to your legislators, learn to interact with them as human beings, read history, and learn how this beautiful nation of ours is constructed Mm -hmm. and figure out how to get back to that wonderful construction that allows everybody of every race, creed, color, sex, whatever you want to call, to live in harmony, right? So Mm -hmm. let's, you know... Um, and not let fear, fear is their number one thing. You know, we had our for first sure. hour, it looked really scary, but we don't have to be afraid. We just have to talk to each other and talk mm-hmm. to those people we don't fully agree with. Mm-hmm. Dialogue is huge. Conversation yeah. is huge. Find that one bit of common ground with somebody and let's build from there. Any other ideas? Yeah. we got like 30 seconds.
3: <laughs> oh, I just want to let folks know, I have a, I created a webpage for this show. Uh, oh, thank you. I
1: am so sorry that I forgot. Go ahead. Go.
3: It's all right. It's michaelgata.com slash CHD. And oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it okay. on the screen um, okay. so people can see it. All it's right, yes, right there's here, a pop- and it has a lot of resources here. This is a resource page for the children's health defense community. There we go. Warm choice, Washington. And uh, we've you. got a lot of free resources, our Monday show. folks. Is that so
1: michaelgata.com?
3: MichaelGated.com/chd, okay. and uh, and this is also you know for folks who are informed choice Washington for sure, and uh, have lots of resources and clinical consultation and online courses, lots of goodness. Oh.
1: You rock. If you, everybody's listening for him for two hours, he's brilliant. Check him out. com backslash CHD. Gentlemen, thank you for wonderful two hours of radio. You have a thank good you. weekend. Everybody been listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Take care. We'll be back next week with more good news.
2: Hi,
3: I'm Brian Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PJI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org.
4: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
0: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, the high wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions.